Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our passage today is on praying, rejoicing, and giving thanks. And the passage of Scripture we will be studying is 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 And as I mentioned a number of weeks ago, we will periodically include additional elements of worship to our messages that is designed to encourage you in a more focused time in God's Word and in singing praise to His name. We are called not only to simply listen to God's Word, but to sing praise to His name as a part of our worship to Him. Inasmuch when we focus on a particular passage of Scripture from God's Word, the elements of music and liturgy will be included in the broadcast, and just as we will do today. If you are able to join us on YouTube, the words to each musical selection will be available to follow along with the words of the additional liturgy, such as Scripture readings and creeds. It is my sincere hope that these periodic broadcasts will be very encouraging to you and truly help you focus more deeply in the majesty and glory of our Lord God as you worship. So let us now begin our time in preparation as we go to God in prayer. Great God and Father, we come before you knowing that you are God, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and all things are in your control. We ask that you will bring us to a place of peace and rest in you now that we may fully focus on you and your words to us today. Fill us with understanding and wisdom that we may know you more deeply. And we ask all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us now confess what we as Christians believe through the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our scripture from God's Word today, again, is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What awesome words! And to think there is only 19 of them. I think God's Word is the only compilation of words in the world that can be this encouraging in such few words. In my opinion, there is truly nothing like it in the world. Better still is the fact that the same words can be read and reread a million times, and every time it brings new meaning and a new understanding of our God and His purpose and plan and desires for each of us. And I am convinced this is the true power of God's Word and the true power of God. As we read, we see our first two words are rejoice always. And while there is a comma following our first two words and the subsequent words to continue on to pray continually and thanksgiving, we are going to be replacing the commas with periods so that we might fully take this passage apart and dive deep into what we are called to and how we are called to live out our lives through rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. So let's look at our first two words, rejoice always. Now, while that is a truly awesome way to live and a way that I want to live every day of my life, at least for me, there are some major hindrances in truly living this out. So what does it mean to rejoice? What is true rejoicing? 
And for that, let's take a quick look at the definition of rejoice. And Webster says it is to feel or show great joy or delight, to feel pleased, glad, delighted, elated, ecstatic, and euphoric. And those are some pretty good words to describe what it looks like to rejoice, especially when we get to words like ecstatic and euphoric. Let's quickly look at what the word ecstatic means. The dictionary says of ecstatic as being in a state of ecstasy, a state of overwhelming emotion, of rapturous delight. That sounds pretty intense. But now I'm very intrigued to see what the definition of the word rapturous is. And the dictionary states that word means a mysterious experience in which the spirit is exalted to a knowledge of divine things. That's intense. And that definition of rapturous sounds exactly like what God intends for us to experience all day, every day, 24-7. And if we feel and know we are in a mysterious place and that of being in the presence of God, we can't help but erupt in rejoicing. And so when we rejoice in our Lord, this is what it is to be like. Wait, I just said this is how we should experience rejoicing every time we rejoice. But that's not what God says. Our passage does not say when we rejoice. It says always rejoice. And that means we are to live in a state of euphoria, delight, and ecstasy in a rapturous moment with God. God never called us to be in and out of rejoicing when it suits us. But you say that's impossible. Life just doesn't work like that. And I would have to agree with you on a very surface level. But that is simply a misguided understanding and determination, and it is certainly not from God, but is rather how Satan works to trip us up. Consider this. When we are not rejoicing, we are not acknowledging or serving God. So instead of declaring, well, I'm just human, and that is how it is, rather state, I have opportunity to change and ask God to guide me in living in a joyous manner every day of my life. Now we have a very clear picture of what true joy rejoicing is to look like. With that, we will go more deeply into God's word and see what more he has to say about rejoicing. And we turn first to Philippians 4.4. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In other words, be ecstatic and euphoric in the Lord always. Continuing on with Psalm 5.11. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. More bold, beautiful words. Take refuge, ever sing, God protecting us and living in exaltation. Before we conclude this section, however, we need to clarify one very important thing. Does this mean we can't be upset or grieve or mourn? That is certainly not what God is telling us. It is indeed okay to mourn and grieve. Romans 12, 15 states clearly, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Yet in the same way, even in our sorrow and weeping and mourning, we are to remember even our sorrow and mourning are to be counted as pure joy. James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And why, again, are we pointed back to being joyful in all things at all times, even if they are rough downtimes? 
Because we as believers know God uses all things for His purpose and His glory and in all aspects of our life. Yes, stresses, trials, and struggles. Is this at all easy? No. But is it what God wants of us? Yes. And so our discipline and practice needs to be focused on just that, pleasing God and doing what He desires of us most. Don't forget, this isn't just about God being pleased and a one-sided deal in that God gets all the satisfaction from us and we are just stuck with the work and agony of doing these things, quote, for Him. It is, in fact, all for us, all about us, and all for our joy and happiness and satisfaction and throughout our lives. Consider this. What does God need from us? What can we do that God doesn't already have? And the answer is nothing. So why does he require what seems to be so much from us? Because the more we acknowledge God, the more he rewards us. And the more we are rewarded by God, the more joyful and fulfilled we are. And the more we will spend our day rejoicing, which will then keep us in contact with God for guidance and strength to do even more. And this provides a great segue into our second application, and that of praying, communicating with God continually. And we will begin with Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And this first passage takes us immediately into an understanding that not only are we to be in continuous prayer, but watchful in it with thanksgiving, which already leads up to our final portion of our main scripture, that of giving thanks. Inasmuch, we are in a pattern now that is pointing us to be consistent and regular in our time with God and in acknowledging Him. Again, this is very hard, but not impossible when we are disciplined and focused on God's desire for us. Again, it is all about us and our happiness through Him. I often pray when I am in trouble and often when I want something and not when things are going well and I have, quote, no need for God. What I fail to remember is that I always have need for God and my need to be close to Him is necessary in order that I may be able to call out to Him in all my circumstances. Remember, prayer is no more or no less than sincere communication with God. From our mouth to His ears, and that so he can bless us again and again, all from his heart to our lives. Hebrews 13:15 states, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Continuing with Ephesians 6:18, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Romans 12:12 12, states, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And Philippians 4:6 states, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These passages are just a few of what God's word tells us prayer, our communication with God is to look like. And why do we have rules on how to pray? Because it is truly all about us being filled up. Again, don't lose sight of the fact that God doesn't need us to speak with Him. 
He knows we need it in order to be fulfilled. And the more we communicate with Him, the closer we are. And the closer we are, the more we desire to do His will. And the more we do His will, the more He pours out on us, which does nothing more than perpetuate our wanting to never leave the conversation. And why? Because when we get good things, and especially in abundance, we just get greedy for more of that good stuff. So is it wrong to be greedy in prayer and desire of God? Well, that depends on what you are talking to God about and wanting from Him. If you are asking God for everything you want, then you will likely never get answers, satisfaction, or joy. If, however, you are asking for everything that will honor and please God, then you will be filled with rejoicing, which will take us directly into thanking God for all He keeps doing and giving to us when we ask Him, and that will keep us, once again, coming back for more and more. And that is exactly what God wants of us, and that of being hungry for more of what He gives us. Consider the Lord's Prayer. It states, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that is a demand. Give us a flat-out demand. But that's okay by God because that is what He wants us to do. And when we get that daily bread fresh from the Kingdom Bakery straight out of the golden oven, we will rejoice and we will go talk to God about how delicious it is. And then we can't help but give thanks. And so what does genuine thanksgiving look like when we are truly blessed in abundance because we are being given so many things in so many circumstances throughout our lives? It looks amazing, and it is amazing. It's gratifying and very fulfilling. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here again we read, Giving thanks in all things, the good the bad, and the ugly. Let's continue into Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And 1 Chronicles 16.8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Amazing, truly amazing. At least for me, these passages make me want to give thanks. And I find these words so fulfilling, and I do want to be able to live my life like this every day. The problem is, I generally only want it. And so I don't have it because I lack the full desire to need it. It's easy to get lazy and expect things to come to me. I get tired of working for even the good things in life, even the things I know please God. I get lazy in doing and desiring. Imagine letting joy and communication through prayer and giving thanks get put on a shelf in a closet and all because I'm lazy and expect I can get it when I want it. But that is who we are through sin. We become complacent and entitled Christians. We expect since God is all good and all loving and all knowing, that He, after all, should be taking care of us even when we are not interested or willing to put in the work and the time and the effort and the actions that are required of us. We so often want something for nothing, and when we don't get that, we get mad and frustrated and bitter that God is not being a good God and a God that is just and right with us. 
We flail in fits of rage that we aren't being treated fairly and that everyone else gets all the breaks and we get the raw end of the deal. And so we spend a chunk of our lives complaining instead of giving thanks to God and living in joy and in communication with Him. Think about it this way. When we are not rejoicing, we are miserable. When we are miserable, we do not want to talk to God because, after all, it is His fault we are miserable. And when we are mad and disappointed with God, we criticize our situation in life and we are so far from believing we have anything to even be thankful for. And so we see how 19 words literally make or break our lives. Our entire being is affected significantly by choosing to live out or not live out whether or not we rejoice, pray, and give thanks. We will either grow or deteriorate. We will either persevere or we will fall down. And all of this simply lies with our will and desire and need, or lack thereof, as to whether we live filled up or completely empty and void of life. Will this be difficult? Of course. But who wants this conflicted state of mind of us? Satan. Will Satan stop his terrorism tactics and assault on our lives? Absolutely not. Does Satan want us to be joyful, talking to God and giving thanks? No. And since these are a direct and known agenda from Satan, it is our obligation, if we wish to grow and be revived and live in the light and glory of God, to remember Satan's goal for each of us and turn from the obvious. But how do we deal with that? Pray continually, give thanks for what we get from God, and in that, rejoice. And no matter which order we put these words in, our lives will be more full than anything we ever experienced. And when we are experiencing things that we can't imagine from God, who freely pours out on us, we are ecstatic, euphoric, and overwhelmed with joy. And so we can't help but go back to the source of where this comes from and say, thank you, God. Let us pray. Most awesome God, how great you are. We come to you in repentance of our willful disobedience in walking away from you in frustration and anger and entitlement. We repent for our stubbornness and willingness to neglect all that you desire to give us. Move us, we ask, in ways that will wrench us out of complacency of living in a passive, miserable, complaining state of life. We regret that we are willing to live outside of you and your goodness. Help us, we beg, that you will stir us up in what we need to see in you and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Cause us to go and hunger for your daily bread of life and eat it all, and all to your honor and glory in thanksgiving and rejoicing. And now we ask all of this humbly and sincerely in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.